Sukkah, Perik Base, Mishnah Dalid, 2-4. This Mishnah covers a variety of different topics. The first is wrapping up the topic of the trees in the Sukkah. So we already established previously that you can't have a tree over your Sukkah that would ruin the Sukkah. In the previous mission, we said you can't have a tree supporting your Sukkah's floor. Uh, and if you do, while the Sukkah might be kosher, you may not go into that Sukkah on Yom Tov or Shabbos because of the Isser Medirabanan of getting benefit from a tree. Here our Mishnah says, If you set up your sukkah amongst the trees, that is to say that that the trees are surfing, serving as the walls for the sukkah. So this is not a halacha in defanos per se or of schach per se, meaning we're going to have to have defanos that are satisfactory to meet the requirements of a dofin a sukkah. And the schach, again, can't have trees overhanging, etc. But the point here our mission wants to address is, may trees that are tra- attached to the ground serve as the walls of your sukkah? And the answer is yes. Ksher, the, mis- the Mishnah says no problem. And the Havamina is that since we already established that there's an Isser Durabana making use of a tree on Shabbos and Yom Tov, you might have thought there'd be concern, let's say, if the wall of your sukkah was this giant sequoia tree, so you might, you know, put something inside a notch in the tree or hang your hat on a branch coming out of the tree or something like that. But uh, Kamash Malan, we see from our Mishnah, that's not a concern. There's no concern that if the walls of your sukkah include a tree, that you might come to use the tree and, and therefore be restricted. No, no such restriction. Okay. Now the Mishnah goes on to a new topic altogether. Uh, and this is a topic actually we saw once before back in the beginning of Masechah's Brachos. And it does, addresses the principle of Ha'osek b'mitzvahs, Ha'osek b'mitzvah, pater mitzvos. If someone is Osek, he is involved in the performance of one mitzvah, so he is pater, he is exempt from fulfilling other mitzvahs. The context we saw back in Brachos was if one had, say, a mitzvah to do, like, for example, to bury a dead person, no one else there to bury that person, and you're involved in the burial, so then one would be exempt from saying Shema the whole time he was involved with the burial. The basis of that principle, the general principle of Osik B'mitzvah, Pater Mitzvos, is from Kriyashma itself, where the Pesach says, B'shivtecha B'veisecha, in your sitting down in your house, and the drasha is, it's when you're at your own leisure doing sitting in your home, that's when you're obligated to do a mitzvah, like Kriyashma. But if you're not in your own time, you're already serving Hashem, actively involved in some other mitzvah, you'd be exempt from, in that story there, Kriyashma, and that would apply to other mitzvahs as well, as Mamatsinu. So that means anytime one is involved in one mitzvah, so then he's exempt from the other mitzvahs, and that's going to be applying over here as well when it comes to the mitzvah of Sukkah. That's the mitzvah says, the Mishnah says here. It says, Shluche mitzvah, if people have been sent to carry out some kind of mitzvah, so, for example, they're on now on a mission to go and save some, uh, you know, Jews who have been captive, uh, held captive or something like that. Um, or even a person, for that matter, who's going to visit his Rebbe on Sukkot and so on. You're involved in doing some mitzvah. So while you're on the go, patur mina sukkah, you're exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. In other words, one mitzvah at a time. Now, there's a pretty fundamental machlokus regarding the scope of this patur, this exemption. According to the According to Rashi, who had the Bartonura learns like, it's in general that one is required to do one mitzvah at a time. And if he's involved in the mitzvah, let's say, of traveling over several days to go do this mitzvah, so even at night, when he is 
resting and not traveling on the go, since he needs to rest up for tomorrow and so on, that's sort of at least part of the mitzvah. According to Rashi, there's no obligation for him to go and now go out of his way to sleep in an uncomfortable sukkah or to seek out and build a sukkah and so on and so forth. Um, he's exempt. If he has no sukkah handy, so he's exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah because he's on a mission on his way to go carry out his mitzvah. According to Tosfos and others, that's it's not as easy as that. Meaning, as long as one... Um, the fulfillment of the second mitzvah doesn't mess up your first mitzvah, like, for example, in the case of resting in the evening, so you're not traveling in the nighttime, you're resting. So therefore, at that point, you'd have, you would kick in, you'd have to find yourself a sukkah to sleep in, etc., um, because you're not involved in it right now, and it's not messing you up immediately. So that is Tosos's approach, and many other Roshonim as well. The Shulchan Aruch goes lakula, like Rashi, and how the Bartonar learns here, meaning that in general, if one is involved in a mitzvah, he's exempt from other mitzvahs, period. The Ramah does point out, however, that if one could fulfill both mitzvahs, then he certainly must. So if you have a sukkah handy, and the sukkah is not going to mess you up in terms of your rest for the night, so everyone's going to agree at that point, you have to sleep in the sukkah. Now with the din halacha, you have to sleep inside the sukkah as well. Um, and lastly, on this point of the osek b'mitzvah, patzer b'nei mitzvah, it has to be that a person is actually somehow osek. He's involved in mitzvah fulfillment. One couldn't, for argument's sake, say, you know, I'm wearing my tzitzis now. That's a mitzvah, so I'm patzer from the other mitzvahs. No, because wearing the, the tzitzis is passive, and he's not osek in the mitzvah of tzitzis. Okay, now, the Mishnah goes on to say a new point here, which is cholin, people who are sick, as well as people who are attending to the sick person, they're exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. There is a two separate uh, exemptions here, in fact. The second, the misham shehen, the attendants to the unwell person, they're exempt That's an, for the reason we just stated before, that they're osik b'mitzvah. There's a mitzvah midoraisa of doing chesed. It's a mitzvah of kamocha. And therefore, if one is attending to the sick, he's fulfilling a mitzvah d'oraisa, and therefore, if that's his charge, he's exempt from being the sukkah, so he can attend to whoever he's taking care of. As far as the chola himself, the person who's unwell, so we're not talking about a person who is sick in any way where there's a potential risk to life. Obviously, whenever that's the case, we've been in the case of suffolk pikuach nefesh, then all bets are off, and one may essentially abrogate all the mitzvahs, um, with certain exemptions, but in general, certainly a sukkah would not be a consideration. The point of our mission here is that there's a special exemption for someone who is sick, and in truth, someone who in general is mitzta'er, who is uh, uncomfortable when it comes to the fulfillment of mitzvah sukkah, because the sukkah, the mandate for sukkah says, besukos teshvu, you shall dwell in sukkos, and Chazal darshan from that word teshvu, that you will dwell in the sukkah. It's teshvu ke'en taduru, as we said before. You will dwell in your sukkah the same way you dwell inside your home. And that's sort of the overarching mandate to live in the sukkah and how one should live in the sukkah. So that means, on the one hand, one certainly must do the things that he does in his privacy of his home in the sukkah, like eating and sleeping. But on the flip side, if he's in a situation of tsar, of um, discomfort, to the point that he would leave his home, um, or relocate because it's inconvenient for him over there. So then certainly he's also equally exempt from sukkah. So for example, um, if a person had a headache, 
That's the case of our Mishnah here. So certainly, if the lights were on in your house and you couldn't turn them off and you had a headache and the lights were bothering you, you would leave that room or leave that home and find another place to rest because the lights were exacerbating your headache. So similarly, if a person's in a sukkah and he has a headache and the lights bothering him or the noises bother him, whatever it is, is bothering him, so he is exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. But again, this exemption is further reaching than illness. Like, for example, um, if the smell in the sukkah bothers a person, he's allowed to leave. If it's dripping, like from rain in the sukkah, certainly if a person were sitting at his dinner table any day of the year and the ceiling was dripping and his food was getting wet and ruined and dripping on his head and bothering him, he certainly would find another place to eat if he could. So similarly, at that point, a person would be allowed and, in fact, um, supposed to leave the sukkah as a, as a mitzvah air. And, in fact, being inside the sukkah while you're a bitzar, if you're a mitzvah air, there's no point to it. You're not fulfilling any mitzvah whatsoever. You're totally exempt. So the whole of the sick person as well, if he's if he's in a state of tsar where he's uncomfortable in the sukkah, he should relocate, and there's no um, no good reason for him to stick around. Okay. Now, the final part of the Mishnah says, Ochlin v'shosin arai chutz sukkah. One may eat and drink um, in a casual manner outside of the sukkah. Now, Abai in the Gemara gives an illustration of this. He says, like, for example, a student who's rushing off to go listen to a shear, he doesn't want to be hungry in the shear, so he has a quick mouthful of food and a quick drink to wash it down to tide him over until he comes back from the shear. Now, the postkim, the Mepharshim are split exactly on on what the Gedarim, the parameters are there for, for what we call a rye, for casual eating. Some understand um, that we're focused on uh, simply the quantity of food, and some also understand that it's also going to be tied to the type of food you're eating, snack foods. Now, Lahalacha, the it's going to come out that Meikra Din. Um, many say that one could eat even bread less than a kabetza outside of the sukkah because that's a snack quantity of food. Halacha lamais lamaisa, the Mishabura says when it comes to food made of the chameshas mine dagon, the five types of grain the kind of things we say mazonos on, or hamotzi on, with the exception of rice. So those um, must be eaten in the sukkah, whereas things that are not from the chameshus minedagan, they may be eaten outside the sukkah. Um, when it comes to fruits, since fruits are always just sort of a, intrinsically sort of a snacky food, um, one could eat fruits in any quantity. There are those who are strict when it comes to eating foods that are not necessarily snack foods, like meat, and cheese, and eggs, and so on, which are not fruits, but not, you know, bread and grain-based, um, if one is permitted to eat large quantities, meaning larger than a kibbeitz and eggs amount, or not, outside the sukkah, uh, the din is mikra din, Mishabura says, yes, one may. As we'll see in the next Mishnah, more on that topic, um, regarding eating outside the sukkah.